listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Chris and Podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, today is going to be a slightly shorter episode. Uh, I've got my amazingly wonderful master of science wife uh, coming on today to help me narrow down the, the real meaning and, and functionality of, of trauma. Kim, thanks for, for doing this. Thanks for having me. I hope the drive wasn't too bad. Not terrible. I talk about trauma all the time and I feel as though I have a, a grasp on it. But the the thing that I know about it is more of like recognizing that somebody has trauma versus how it like manifests and, and why it uh, latches on to like what I'm trying to think of what what part of the your memory core. Well, it affects your omblongata. Oh, really? Mm hmm. So it sends you into like a fight or flight response. Okay. That, that's kind of what I thought was, was happening. But yeah, it's just the concept of like one really intense thing can cause somebody a bunch of trauma and not affect another person. Yeah. Um, like we've seen some things that other people would absolutely lose their mind if they saw. But yeah. So like, do you, have you seen like the range of how yeah that i think sense so where I'm going? no yeah yeah i mean i've even told people stuff that's happened in my life and they're like oh like they're just baffled that it doesn't affect me i think i think a lot of people too that work jobs where they see physical trauma happen to people they i don't know if they get like immune to that mm. um if their fight or flight just doesn't go off anymore like if you think of first responders law enforcement the things that they see or you know, paramedics and all that. I don't know. And I think, yeah, eventually their body just gets used to it. And so they don't have that flight or flight response so anymore. Desensitized due yeah. to repetition. Which is interesting because that's one of the treatments for like PTSD or, you know, yeah. for traumas what, and what exposure therapy. Exposure therapy. That's yeah. what I was looking for. I've, I've tried remembering before and I could never remember the, uh, I always wanted to go like immersive something or other. Well, you're immersing yourself into yeah. your trauma. Um, but yeah, when, when people go in and because I've, I've talked to a few people who say like you go in, you tell the same story basically over and over um, to the point to where you get super frustrated. And everybody that I've talked to sounds like they give up. They're like, I'm just sick of going in and telling the same story over and over. Um, so listeners, if any of you have gone through that treatment and had a positive experience, would love to hear it. Comment below. Um, maybe we'll have a chat with you. Um, as far as your trauma goes, because it's, it's weird to like have such a grasp on trauma, knowing that we both have like traumatic pasts. Yeah. But when we hear about other people's trauma, we look at it, from a resolution perspective is to like, at least for my brain, when somebody starts to tell me a story, I go, okay, so when they see this thing, this probably starts to happen. Mm. And I start to verbalize that. So I'll, I'll be like, okay, so like when you, when you see that the road is wet, that probably starts to raise your anxiety. Yeah. And that's how I, I attack somebody else's trauma. But with my own trauma, I just go, it happened. And it just kind of goes away. Interesting. So there's no nothing that really triggers anything in the, like an intense amount of anxiety 
when you're exposed to it. Not anymore. And I, that's what I'm curious about is like, I wonder if I've just thrown myself into, and that, that's part of the codependency thing is like, I I have to figure out, um, I have to decode your trauma and figure out how we got to, to this place. And because a lot of times when people talk about trauma or their personal trauma, it's like they, they will say they will list like symptoms that they have, but not recognize that they're associated with each other. Mm. And so like when I hear somebody say, you know, like like the wet road thing, for example, mm-hmm. um, somebody gets stressed out when they, they know that it's going to rain. And um, but they'll say like, uh, like when it rains, like my my heart rate goes up. Yeah. So I think. They they associate it with something else though, like rain is the thing, not the car accident that I got into. Yeah, rain just yeah. stresses me out. Yeah, I wonder you know if some, that's like. I know we like laughed about me having like a panic attack in the car wash, but I really wonder if I don't know what my fear is. But I watched my pulse on my watch go up twenty beats per minute while we were driving into it and sitting in it. Well, your thing is uh, like it's a mixture of like claustrophobia, but a complete lack of control. That's yeah. So, I mean, that entire experience. Yeah. When you when your brain starts to overanalyze all of the machinery that's in there. Yeah. It could absolutely drive somebody nuts. Yeah. And even if you wanted to get out, you don't know what would happen if you tried to get out. Yeah. What if my car doesn't start? What if it? That's the whole so, thing. My yeah. car is going to break down in here. I'm not going to be able to get out. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. The machine's going to break. It's going to land on me. I have a child in the car. It's going to break something on my car. That's interesting. I wonder if we could figure out your your thing being... It was my childhood. My mom even remembers me screaming in car washes. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. I don't... There's some claustrophobia type stuff too. I don't like like tunnels. But, I don't like. But there's like there's a consequence. So it's a foreboding. A car wash is a foreboding of a bad thing that could happen. Yeah. So like when you sense like a bad thing coming, if it's something like confrontational wise, you have certain defense mechanisms: uh, getting angry or leaving the situation, disassociating. But like you t- you tend to. There's like um, there's a switch that goes off when, like I said, like there's this like, there's something coming, mm. and when you're in that car wash, there could be something coming at any fucking second, yeah. like when company's coming over, you have this, like this switch flips and you go, uh oh, there's this big storm coming to my house, and if it notices that anything is out of place then that's going to destroy my fucking self-esteem and they're going to judge the rest of my house and how am I raising my kids and all that shit. Yeah. Which is funny because I don't judge other people's houses. I know. Nobody does. Unless your house is gross. Yeah. I've been in some gross houses. But even then, I don't really care. You're, they're usually gross people, so it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, of course. Yeah. Of course there's sardines on the counter. Yeah. But so... From your understanding of trauma, like what, what, like, why is it that it stays? 
because you don't your body i don't i don't know that's a good question i don't think you'd process through it or you don't work through it and your body still holds on to it i Mm. thought about that too when you're like your past traumas because i used to remember that car accident we got in yep with the kids i used to still i could for a long time i could still smell the airbags because it's a very distinct Yeah. yeah and it's interesting i thought maybe i was losing it but your mom was in a car accident and i asked her about it and she's like yeah it's like but i could just smell it for a long time after what's that called your something sensory how like smells trigger uh yeah i can't remember the name of like you have x amount of sensors that will trigger memories yeah the, yeah so and then um but what's interesting is your your brother moved down that road so i had to expose myself because oh. before when i would go visit my parents i would avoid wow. did they move after the accident mm-hmm. i didn't even think about that yeah so i would usually i would try to avoid it when i'd go to my parents house i'd just take the other way down um but then when we lived on that road and then your brother moved there i was like i'm gonna just keep driving it and it took a while but i could feel like in my heart rate increase and I would get really anxious is it driving st- through. Is it still a landmark? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, I know it's coming. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, I, there are certain things on that road that will always stick out whenever I drive down it. Um, there's that one open field that has like a little Creek that runs behind it. Always a landmark in my mind. There's that red house. That's always a landmark in my mind, but I can't, I second guess whether I'm actually at the spot where the accident happened or not. Mm. Um, uh, I always, whenever, if it does cross my mind, the feeling of I'm standing in the driveway alone and it felt like everything was so far away. And in that neighborhood, you have that field right there. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything just zoomed out and I was like, fuck, I can't just run over there. I have to grab the keys i have to make sure barley's in the house i have to like so i i have like i have this i need to i want to be there like now i don't like a lot of things that are far away and i mean that's why i like i always prefer having the kids here versus mom and dad's is because that's so far away if something happened i'm so far away from them half an hour is too long even though it's you know half an hour out of a day is nothing but it just stresses me out to no end so that's the thing that i think of when i when i think of that accident but so does it still like do you still get like a little flutter or anything no it's it's just one of those things i yeah i thought about it when i drove there last saturday we were driving through that area like i don't feel anything anymore like my, I've just exposed myself to that spot so many times and forced myself to because I had to mm. or else I'm spending an extra how many more minutes driving a different route that I'm like, well, it happened. It's awful. I hated that. But so people who are exposed to like repetitive trauma, like somebody who's in a house that's not safe, relationships that aren't safe, like, I mean, how... Because we're talking about situational, like, one-time things Mm -hmm. that just stick out because it's so different from everything else. Mm -hmm. But when somebody's trauma is day in, day out. Like the child abuse stuff. Child abuse stuff. Yeah, that's lots of psychotherapy. 
I don't know, exposure therapy. I don't I don't know a lot about it. I can't imagine that that's going to be helpful for someone who's had prolonged trauma. Yeah. Like like uh, veterans or people who are in the military. Like I don't I can't imagine that exposing someone after they've been exposed to the same similar trauma for a period of time would be. But I, I don't do psychotherapy, so I don't I don't specialize in that. So I don't know. But. So your role is to, because whenever I bring up empath to other nurses, they're always like, like they get the word. Yeah. But well, it, it's an acronym. Oh. So it stands for Emergency Psychiatric Assessment Treatment and Healing. I see. Yeah. Okay. So it's an emergency psychiatric unit where we do assessments, we do treatment, and then it's a healing environment. Okay. So is would the empath unit kind of be like a, like a waiting room? For, no. Because don't they need to go someplace else after they're with you? Not always. They can discharge home. Oh. No. We're just like an extension of the emergency room. Okay. So they come into the emergency room, ex- the ER provider does all the medical stuff. They do the clearing and then there's a conversation between our providers. And then if they're... Um, a candidate, they would come up to our unit to finish that assessment and that crisis stabilization. So that quick, you know, psychotherapy, seeing count, you know, seeing our psychotherapist, seeing our psychiatric provider, and coming up with a plan while in a healing environment that's not that chaotic emergency room. Okay, so you're making sure that all of those things are there and like available for these. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I mean, it's not always like that, you know, sometimes our psychotherapists is seeing other people mm-hmm. and all that. So it's not like they come up and these things happen first. They see our, our mental health nurse and they do an assessment. Then they provide that information to the other people and they kind of come up with a plan. So if someone comes in for anxiety, we know what kind of things to work with, helping them develop, find more coping skills okay. or, you know, if they're having issues with sleep, giving them stuff about sleep hygiene, stuff like that. So kind of figure out what issues are kind of going on. You know, sometimes it's relationship issues, um, losing a job, losing a relationship where you can work on grief, appropriate grief. Mm. So, you, so you kind of have like a generalized, uh, I'm trying to keep this as like vague as I can, but like a generalized plan for the situation. Uh, It's... It's always patient specific. I don't know. It's hard to say. But I mean, I mean, um, I mean, we have educational materials. Okay. Like, like worksheets. But I, like for you though, because you've seen it so a lot of these things so much. Yeah. Um, you see somebody that comes in with, you know, potential PTSD or like vulnerable adult coming in, and they seem to be easily triggered. I, so I think a vulnerable adult a completely different way than what you're stating. It. Oh, okay. What What do you think? When vulnerable I, adult is essentially an adult who is unable to care for themselves. Yeah. No, I was saying the same thing. So for whatever reason, they don't have the individual who normally helps them or that person has said, he, you know, we're in a, a scary spot We need, and we're bringing him in or him or her in because of this. Okay. And... They're being, you know, they're they're getting either scared or agitated or whatever, like really quickly. Because of a trauma they experienced or? Potentially because of a trauma they experienced or um, escalating. 
like things escalate really quickly with them. Mm-hmm. It's either very scared, very numb, this and that. Like, yeah. what are the like? Where does your brain go when when you hear stuff like that? Um. Well, obviously, it depends on their assessment. Sometimes they're willing, like they talk about what is causing that fright. Like, I always try to figure out what's going on prior to you being afraid. What's going on prior to you feeling this? What's like? Sometimes people just feel like they're coming on, but what what is in going on in your mind or what is going on around you prior to you feeling frightened or becoming agitated or so on and so forth? Sometimes people can identify. Oh my gosh, I heard the song or. I mm. saw this thing and then, yeah, it, but sometimes it happens so quick. People don't realize it until you ask okay. or try and go back. So is there somebody that's, that's trying to figure that part out Usually before they come on or when they come on, do you guys? Yeah, no, you, well, it depends. It's hard. We're in such a transition stage right now. It's hard no. to talk. Usually psychotherapy or nursing will ask a lot of questions too. Okay. And it's not like this person does it every time. Oh, okay, just, okay, okay. That's what I was trying to figure out is, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is so new that trying to get that, that shit together is a nightmare. Um, but the like the end goal is to, to have like... A plan in place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whether it's like setting them up again with more resources or um, doing that crisis stabilization and figuring out what next plan of care is mm. when when you were working with uh youth and adolescence mm-hmm. there was one case where you were able to talk with or they'd written you a letter afterwards so i'm trying to remember because most of the people that you see you don't get to see the end yeah. result yeah i had a patient who went to a longer term care after and sent the the unit a letter letting them letting us know how they were doing and that was nice because I think mental health is so hard because you don't see what happens after you send them to wherever they go. Like you hope they get better. That's the goal, but you never know. And I think kids were really good about sending us letters and letting us know how they're doing. Adults. I, I mean, we haven't, I mean, I do follow up calls with people, so that's a rewarding. I get to do a follow up call after. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So after they've been on the unit for, or after they've discharged, and not, it's people who discharge, they fall on my list and usually right. I call and see how they're doing and if they've made it to their appointments or if they picked up their medications, if they have any questions, if they have any suggestions or comments, things that we could have done better or things that did go well. So that's nice. I get to hear things then. Do they typically have the capacity to answer questions yeah. like that? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's if they answer. If they answer. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So. But kids, yeah, that was, that was reward. I still have that letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something, it's just nice. I think that's why with you, I always let people that were part of your care know how well you're doing because we don't hear the good things. It's oh, okay. Like, yeah, you can work on a telemetry unit and someone came in with a heart attack and you get them set up and they're good oh. and they're sta- stable. You get to discharge them and see them. You saw them at their worst. And now they're really good. It's like mental health is so hard because, Yeah. Like, yeah. especially with meds, meds take a period of time to start working. So you hope you send them home on the right meds and that they follow up and they're doing well. Mm-hmm. But you can, you know, you can work on. Do, do patients ever go from empath to the adult unit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
are you guys allowed to go and check or like can you call no. up there and say we're not we're not continuing their care ah. it's a hipaa thing okay yeah i mean we can always ask that yeah that's what i was yeah. meaning was like like being it's able not to- like we go down there and follow up i mean some of our staff float so they could probably see the patient down there and see how they're doing okay yeah so you get like a maybe like a general idea yeah um so back to those kids though uh because when adults process drama or uh, trauma um we have things that we have to do afterwards which is when you were saying that they don't follow up immediately what i thought of was like they still have bills to pay they still Mm -hmm. have i know depending on what their situation is so like it's so easy to push off all of that stuff whereas with kids like the world is ending or this is being forced on me. Yeah. Like it, it seems like it, they're two completely different ways of processing what, what's going on. Like, so, I mean, how do you, how do you explain to a kid or, you know, try to help somebody who's like Layla's age, um, that what they went through isn't their fault or that it's not going to be forever. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. How do you deescalate a, a, a child that has been exposed to that crap? Just listening to them. I don't know. It's hard. I, I can't say that's not your fault. Like you just talk it through and help them with like <laughs> coping with it. I don't know. Let them talk it through. Oh, that's interesting. Why would you not say, well, let's just cut this whole part out. You can't tell someone that's not your fault. I mean, ideally, it's not their fault. Well, I don't understand why, though. Like, <laughs> if a if a kid's parents were harming them, yeah, that's not on the on the kid. Okay, that's, well, when you say it I like mean. that, I thought you were saying like your depression's not your fault. Oh no, 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 no. So we're talking about like the traumatic event. Yes, yeah, that's what I, that's why oh. I was saying. Like, I thought you were like we were on this whole mental health thing, and I can't tell someone their depression's not there. That's a really weird thing to say. N- yeah, not at all no. what I was saying. Uh, so the situation that I was describing before was like the so an adult when they hear tires screech, they could be out for a week, w- like hiding in their apartment because of yeah. Kids whereas, have a different type of resiliency. It's okay. Very interesting. I working with child and adolescents, you hear horrific things, especially because they're little people and they don't like it's awful. And then you're a mandated reporter on top of that. So you have to report the things that you hear. And then you hope that by reporting it doesn't cause a bigger issue in the end. Like eventually these children, they go back to where they live most of the time and social work follows up with what you have, you know, what you reported and you just hope it's a situation that is handled well. And I don't see that side of things. I've done plenty of reports in the, you know, when I worked in the emergency room and did assessments and I'd get, we would get letters back from the County and I, Mm. um, they would let you know if they're looking further into it or if they've looked into it and there's no concern. Mm. It's weird to me how many like steps and, how much red tape there is yeah. around all this stuff. Like even just now getting scared that I was generalizing like mental health in a, in that format, like yeah. it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be scary to like, I, it's, it's just frustrating. I was just talking to somebody about this 
uh, a couple days ago about how like being on that unit and knowing that 70% of the employees were floating nurses. So there's no like. I know when you say floating nurses, the longer I've like I, I co-work with someone who is actually a float nurse. The thing with the floating nurses, they're not like the group of nurses. They pick mental health as somewhere they want to work. So they have a list of places they're trained and want to work. So it's not like, I mean, I get it. They're not there regularly. But the nurses that I spoke with, that that was not the case. The ones that I talked to were like, I'm usually doing this, but I saw an opening. So I, I, t- I took hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, But they still want to be there. They still want to be there. But it feels like they wanted the hours more than they wanted yeah. to be there specifically. But also, like they when need you're to... using verbiage that says, I saw an opening. Yeah. But they also, they have to be trained there. They have to have oh, that okay. training. So they have to say that they're interested in it. There, there are plenty of float nurses at oh, the hospital. Oh, you're talking about how like they they yep. fill out that thing that says I'm willing to do like work. Yep. This so then they about. have to get trained there. Like I only know all this because we're doing that with our unit now is trying mm. to get float pool to come and work with us. And there's, a, you know, there's nurses that are interested in mental health and want to experience our unit as well. So oh my we have, God. I completely forgot. Finish your thing. But I, I have something fantastic to tell you afterwards. So they, they have to want to work there. And we, there are great float, like, um, there are great float nurses at the hospital that really enjoy mental health, but they also like the other experiences, which is nice. And I'm going to say it as a mental health nurse. I have not worked medical for so long that I would be so confused if I went to a med surge unit right now where my expertise is mental health, where I think float nurses are great because they get, they really enjoy mental health, but then they have all these, they still keep all their other nursing skills because mm. they work in other different units. And what's great about that is, Believe it or not, there are mental health patients on a med surge unit because one in three people have mental health. So they're able to deliver a different type of care to mental health patients on med surge units or whatever unit they come from. I'm not saying that all nurses don't, but when you have that knack for wanting to work with people with mental health, you have a different kind of compassion or empathy for them. So I spoke with somebody... uh I'm actually, it must have been yesterday. A uh, lady that is, uh, when she graduates nursing school, because she went from, uh, is there something before CNA? No. I didn't think so. There's a nursing assistant. Is she an LPN? She's an LPN now, but so she's, she's getting tattoos that represent CNA, LPN, and then RN. But there was a, a fourth one that she was. Was it a TMA? Yes. Um, so those four things she's getting tattoos for. And I asked what, you know, she's going to school for. And um, it wasn't mental health, but the, because uh, wh- what's it called when students go into the hospital? Clinicals. Clinicals. So she was doing clinicals and um, the person that was leading them asked if anybody wanted to go to the empath unit. And only one person said that they wanted to go. She went and said it was amazing. And... Like she was so interested in what you guys were doing that she called her, it must have been her teacher or something, and said, is it okay if I stick around longer? Do you remember a student like hanging around it's so longer? Hard. No, there's, we have students all the time. It's so hard <laughs> to pay attention. But this was, re- this, so this would have been within like a week. But th- oh. this lady was super interested and stayed longer than 
oh. a student normally would okay. uh, to be able to to see more of of like uh, what the impact. Yeah, it's is a new unit. It's a it's a new model of care that has. I mean, very small amounts in the United States are doing it, so it's a completely new model of care. Mm. But I wanted you to know that this person absolutely well, when had. She graduates. Po- <laughs> send her my way. Positive I'm, experience. I'm glad she had a positive experience. Yeah, I would. I hope that. I hope. I think people have a certain image in their head what inpatient looks like and mm. even like inpatient's not what you see in movies like i think people still oh, have yeah. that whole like it's white white walls padded walls this and that and it's not like like that and i think i really enjoyed my first year of nursing school because <laughs> my instructor said who is interested in mental health and then there's lonely little me raising my hand in a class of 30 some of us nursing students. And she goes, well, joke's on you guys because it doesn't matter where you're going to work because you will see mental health everywhere. That's right. And then when I worked in labor and delivery, when I did my clinicals, when I worked, when I did my clinicals in labor and delivery, I had a mom who was um, delivered and had a history of mental health. And like, it's just like, I'm like, everywhere I go, it's just there. It's like, you're right. It's everywhere we go. And it's, I don't remember who I was recently talking to. We were talking about treating the whole person. Mm. Um, And the thing is, is your physical health will never be good if your mental health is not well. Like you have to holistically look at the entire person and your mental health isn't going to be well if your physical health is not well. It's like they they encompass each other. You need to fi- work on them both. I think that's why there's a lot of integrative care in clinics now. There's a lot of psychotherapists now in clinics and doing all that because we've come. How long has it taken us to realize, like, especially in a world where, I don't know, the last two years have been awful. People are struggling. And, yeah, we need to take and our health isn't well. It's interesting seeing like this new wave of like openness, like people because of the pandemic are like, I now realize that I have anxiety. Like people come in and will discuss their their medication um, regimen. Oh my gosh. But like growing up, you did not talk about your, you know, oh my gosh. I remember being on antidepressants when I was eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. And I did not tell anybody I was on antidepressants. Like, did not talk about it. But now it's like, it's... It's it's it, weird if you're not on a med now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the people that I work with, uh, his entire family is on Lexapro. Mm. So they're, they're like chalking it up to like a genetic thing, yeah, which is super be. interesting. Well, I mean, you think about because mice, it's handed down that they're afraid of a shadow that's shaped a certain way. Yeah. Like, so I would imagine that the more that we start to understand it and like recognize it, that something has must be changing and then it's passed down however small of a thing that is. Yeah. Same way that like addiction is passed down. Like it's got to be, mental health stuff has got to. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, we see it with schizophrenia. You know, oh, yeah, we see it with stuff like that. Um, I mean, depression, I'm sure like I know my mom has depression. I have depression. You know, I have anxiety. I don't know if my mom, my mom probably has anxiety. My dad probably has got 
some things, but he is not going to, you know, I think my it's, guess is social anxiety. My mom? No, no, no. Your dad. Because unless it's something that he knows well, he doesn't want to interact. Yeah, with that's it. true. Yeah, and I got a little bit of that too. But yeah, I think we also live in a different time where it's we're learning more about it and we talk about it more. So yeah. thank goodness we're doing it because then now all of our, all our kids like Layla talks about anxiety. My gosh, I was I could tell. When we were going to your brother's house and we were bringing things there, I've been having these like rant and it's better. It was better this last week, but the week before it was like just random panic attacks. And there's me trying to analyze, okay, what was I thinking about before? What was going on before? What did I smell before? What did I take? Like all my senses, what was this? What was that? And it was like, couldn't identify anything. Well, that's not true. It started sleeting, but I Mm. didn't think about that. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I could feel myself like having a hard time breathing. My pulse increases and there's Layla like, it's okay. And she can tell when I'm not well, which is interesting. She's like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. You have dad, you have me, you have Landon. And she just kept naming family members, which was really sweet. And she's like, and then she just grabs my hand. It's okay. Mm. And she talks about how she gets anxious about things. So I think we just, we just openly talk about it. I think it's going to be good for them. To know that it's it's normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, our body is, we have to f- feel anxiety. That's a fight or flight response. I mean, back when we were, you know, running from freaking bears and trying to live as cave people, like that was our anxiety. Now it's <laughs> driving in the car when it's sleeting or it's. Well, it's interesting. Like, it's funny the way that you say that, because in that sense, it is it's instinct. But because we don't have those things, it's the wiring is all messed up. Yeah. So our brains are like, why? Why does it feel like I'm going to be attacked, even though I'm I'm not actually going to be attacked? Yeah. So that I I think about that all the time. It's the like the uh, um, evolution of how our fight or flight were because we have so many things that when we were like you said, cave people. Um, that we needed to survive, mm-hmm. but now we don't need those things. So our body is like, Ugh. yeah, I like I don't do have this. to go fight for my food. I can just go to the grocery store and there's food right there, or I can go through a drive-through and I have food right there. The funny thing about that though, is like people have anxiety about going to the grocery store. Yeah. I don't like going to the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> so it's funny. My anxiety is I get in my head and I think people are thinking things about me all the time. Mm. I don't know what it is. I think about you all the time. I think, I don't know. It's so stupid. You know what's crazy is the masks helped because I'm like, they can't see my face. I feel like I have a lot of body dysmorphia and I judge myself a lot. So I feel like other people see the things that I think I see. Mm. Yep. And they're going to, they're just staring at me. And it's interesting because Layla has a little bit of that where she feels like people are always staring at her. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, It's weird. That's my grocery store thing too. My other thing is, if I don't know what parking's like at a place I'm going to, I'm intensely uh. anxious about it. Like, we went on a field trip on Thursday to a hospital I've never been to. Okay, I know they have a parking ramp. And then I go into the parking ramp. Okay, I have a ticket. And then there's all this contract parking. Where's the parking? And so in my head, I'm like, okay, there's no parking. I got to park here. And then the whole time <laughs> after I parked and I finally got into the building, all I could think about was, what's it going to, when I leave, and I have to pay, does it take cards? Do I have enough cash? So then I'm 
already anxious about having to leave when I'm not leaving for like two and a half hours. And yeah. it's just th- those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and But not about having a bear coming after me. Just parking. Well, I mean, that goes back to the like lack of control and the ominous yeah. thing. I think coming. that's my thing is I, if I don't have control over a situation, I am so anxious. Because then it's the, and then what? So I show up, there's no parking. Now what do I do? Yeah. I I can't even conceive what I would have to do next. Do I just go home? Yeah. And that's like a lot of people do that too. Like Mara uh, was talking about a time where um, the line was too long and there were a lot of people. So she just decided, I don't need these groceries and chose to be able to have control and to leave and go home mm-hmm. rather than staying for the thing that she actually needed yeah so it yeah i mean it obviously affects people in different ways but i feel like yeah so that's why like the yeah with with the traumatic thing the fact that it can just be triggered and then all of your common sense goes away too that yeah because i'm a pretty logical person and thinking that you're not gonna be able to pay getting out and you're gonna be trapped my other thing is being trapped and maybe that's where it goes mm. with the car wash thing is now i'm trying to get out of this parking ramp and i can't pay and now there's all these cars behind me and these people are gonna be mad at me yeah and that's always a thing in my head i'm like all these people are gonna be mad at me all these people are looking at me all these people are thinking things about me it's so stupid because yeah. i don't care well growing up you needed help and you would be thrust into situations where you're being judged even though you're the the I, I don't want to say victim in all of the scenarios but like generally you're just the person that needs help but like questions and things that can make you feel ashamed or guilty even though you didn't do anything you have zero control and you you have no control uh, clearly like I nothing that I can say is going to fix these individuals' perspectives. Yeah. Nothing's going to change by talking to them. So I just have to retreat and disassociate. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've, as I was saying that, I find that now I get like why when, because I speak in debate mode a lot mm-hmm. or like from all perspectives or whatever, but I don't associate those things with like a hard stance. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because of that, like, fear of, well, what does that mean? What comes after this thought? I think that's why you can get defensive in things is because, wow, why would you say that? <laughs> why why would we even be thinking of this thing? Um, because when you were growing up, saying the wrong thing meant that you were going to be made to feel like you're doing something wrong. Oh, yeah. Which is, Yeah. And I think it, that's maybe that's where my anxiety. It's so stupid. I have another severe anxiety about emails. Like, am I going to say the oh, wrong course. thing in this email, or like, how is this email going to be read? Am I? It's just so ridiculous. It's just an email, but it's like, well, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Someone's going to take it the wrong way, and it's like this persona that I have to say and do the right thing all the time. And it's because, yeah, growing up, it was. Everything was scrutinized. Yeah. Everything that came out of my mouth was scrutinized by people around me all the time. And I think maybe and this body dysmorphia stuff, you know, stems from my childhood and being called, you know, fat. 
for a long time and then, you know, relive in fifth. It's very interesting. I was just telling some of my coworkers when I was in fifth grade, all those kids, that, those boys that drew pictures of me and oh, put yeah. me around the classroom and my teacher didn't take the pictures down. And it's just like, I think all that stuff is just like messed my brain up. Like where it's just, yeah, you, you look at yourself differently forever. So there's the ironic thing when we were talking about how kids are resilient before in the right environment. Yeah. In So in a sense to where if they know that there's somebody there that's on their side, then they feel like they can get through whatever the thing is. And my mom, I mean, my parent, my mom tried, you know, I mean, I had people on my side, but like when. But the second that you're away from her, yeah. there goes your one person that's on your side. Yeah. And it's you against the fucking world. Yeah. It's interesting. Those boys try to ask me all later. Years later. Sucks to suck, homies. Sucks to suck, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's it's uh, it it has a lot to do with environment, like yeah. a, and accessibility. So the more that we do this thing that we've been talking about, which is being more open about what happens to us and and why we feel, you know, really anxious when we're in a car wash, or being able to verbalize that stuff to younger generations. Let's them know that, okay, if they were okay saying that in front of me, then it'll be okay when I feel yeah. that. I think it's just funny because Layla's like, when we were in the car wash, she's like, you're supposed to be the adult here. <laughs> and she's having a blast and I'm just like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's a control thing. I do wonder though, thinking back on trauma, my mom experienced pretty horrific traumas. Like, and I won't expose them obviously that's her life um but things that i could never ever i don't think i would ever make it out of there's no way and she just kept moving forward because she had to she Mm -hmm. kept moving forward because she had to and i think you can i always tell people like we are cups right we can fill ourselves with water but eventually we're so full that our water is going to start overflowing Mm -hmm. so unless we're taking out the water out of that cup so you know, dealing with our trauma, going to psychotherapy and getting rid of some of that water. If you're not getting rid of some of that water, it's just going to keep filling up. And then Mm -hmm. eventually you're in your fifties and now you're processing through all this trauma and your cups overflowing and you never developed those skills to deal with that trauma. And now you're like, holy crap. And I think it's being a parent too. you know, you have kids young and then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I went through all this stuff as a child, but you know what? I'm going to k- take care of these kids until they're older and then we all move out. And now you have to sit and think about all the stuff you've gone through. I cannot even imagine. So I think that's what a lot. And I wonder what I'm going to be like when the kids are gone. Cause even like me and you together and then us, even while our children have been growing, we've experienced trauma together. Yeah. So I always wonder what, that's gonna be like when they're gone am i gonna have a crisis of mm-hmm. like holy crap I, that's why i try to like process through things and there are things that i'm still trying to process through like i don't know i get what you mean i something that i i say on the show a lot because there'll be people that'll come in and say when they had a, a bad parenting situation um, they'll say things like they did. They were doing the best that they could, 
yada yada with what yeah dealing with shit when they were nine years old it's like so what i say is um it's not your job to make up for what they did they had a job and they failed in that scenario yeah they and so speaking as a parent i have to accept that whatever landon and layla want to ask me or what their perception of the situation is or was yeah it's on me if I didn't do a good enough job and now it affects them for the rest of their life. So however they need to process it, my job is to just be there. Yeah. So they could say, fuck you. You, you were an absent father. You were all the, like, you know what I mean? That I, I have, I don't think that I have the right to try to force them to feel otherwise. Okay. If they come around and find out that dad had mental health issues, dad had addiction, and and they figure it out that way, yeah, great. But if the way that I parented made them feel that way, then I did something wrong, and however they need to process it. So when people are processing trauma and they're talking about it on the show, I'm always like, it's say it how you felt in that moment. Yeah, say it. So that you don't continue to bury it and make it seem like, ah, you know, it's, it happened. Even though now once a week I have a fucking panic attack, like they were doing the best that they could. Like it's, yeah, it's, I just, I mean, you know me, like the, the, I don't feel like the kid should ever be at fault, like in the long run. Yeah. So not that you ever say they were doing the best that they could. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. But I mean, my mom. I mean, she. Like I said, they. She didn't. Your mom, though, is such a different case because she was conditioned to accept the fact that bad things happened to her, and and, yeah. and she just you, Julie. You need to get over it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Bad like, things happen to you all the time. Yeah, and my mom always said, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck. Because yeah. bad things consistently happen to her. Like, yeah. if we want to talk about someone who's experienced the most hor- horrific traumas, it's my mom, you know, and. But that's that's the other scary thing, right? So if we treated our kids like get over it, push through it, like they're just going to think that. Yeah. And my mom never treated me like that. Never treated me like just get over it. You need to get over it. Like my mom was always like, you can come talk to me about things. It's weird now because it's things now she's trying to do it as well. You went through this and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already dealt with that. Mm. Like, I don't like to relive things if I've already like, okay, dealt with that, that, that book has been closed. I move forward. Like I'll talk about it, but I don't want to keep reliving Mm -hmm. things like, yep, that happened. Books closed. I've already processed it, grieved it. I went through the, you know, Mm -hmm. All that, it's done. So now I think she wants to, and maybe she has a type of trauma for my traumas. Like as a parent, I can imagine like some of the things that Landon's experienced, I have like some slight trauma from his traumas, you know, like. Well, moms, and I I say moms specifically because traditionally speaking, moms get the brunt of like this bullshit, but the disassociating, like their kids, something happens they recognize that their child is hurting, but they can't do anything about it. 
Like there was a, yeah. a lot of generations of that where parents just, the moms just kind of had to go. So it's more that it's like a POW situation. So like with you and your mom, she's holding you and you're both in the same jail cell saying she's like, I'm sure in her mind she was going through all of the shit that she went through and she's holding you going, this is going to be her life. There's nothing we can do about it. And I think she tried to do a lot of hoping it, things that she went through. I wouldn't go through. And then when they did happen, it was, I think she was hard on herself. Like, yeah, I think we protect our kids the best we can. I was a very difficult teenager. I was I mean, I, she, I, I'm going to say it. she did the best she could, but I, you can only protect your kids so much. And unfortunately there's a whole world outside of our house. Like I, I know I'm going to be hard on myself too. If there are things that happen to our kids that I feel like I could prevent, but there are things that like the situation I was in there. But your situation was, I mean, you could say you're a difficult teenager because nobody was like. Nobody truly was like willing to hear you out and like willing to help you go through all of those things. Not on a consistent basis. Yeah. I know you had brushes with people that were like, it's going to be okay and whatever. But for the most part, you had a ton of people that were very not understanding and you're the weird one or you're, what, what did you do? Why, how did you end up in, in this thing? Because no way could it be a grown-up's fault or a boy's fault, any of that shit. And small towns are super guilty of that. My fucked upness was just parents with best intentions, zero knowledge about mental health. Yeah. Zero knowledge about addiction. So like in whatever way it happens, if it's not addressed and if if the child doesn't know that they have support, it's like how my back works, right? So the reason why my back failed out is because my muscles were recruiting in different areas. Yeah. So a child where in like a traditional sense would learn coping skills in this way, they go, well, my parents aren't helping me survive, so I got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So they go and look elsewhere. Elsewhere and maybe not formulate the best type of coping yeah. skills. I have to pee real quick. Oh, go ahead. Don't pee pants. It's a great opportunity, again, to uh, mention BetterHelp.com, all of the things that we talked about when it comes to getting help and having someone to talk to uh, in a traditional sense can still be really tough. I mean, go right now and try to make an appointment with a therapist. You're looking at at least a two-week wait time. Go to BetterHelp.com and you can... uh, connect with somebody really quickly i don't know if our promo code even still works but ddgd if you do want to duck duck radio right that's what it used to be for the better help promo so like i said i don't know if the promo code works anymore but betterhelp.com is still a massive resource because it can take so long to get help from a uh for real a therapist yeah, just and they that. have addiction counselors now. They have, I mean, they're growing at an astronomical rate. So the the amount of staff that they have available is pretty crazy. Yeah, super cool. Uh, I think their turnaround is no longer than forty eight hours, and someone Ooh, will be wow. in contact with you. Wow, that's my gosh! It's really hard to get people into psychotherapy yeah. because it's just not enough resources. 
That would be great too for rural rural areas. Rural? Rural. <laughs> rural areas. What was the Malacca mascot? Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. Trauma. Trauma. So yeah, what I was saying was um, kids having to look elsewhere. So troubled teens. Yeah. A lot of times it's because they they don't have so either they have best intention parents who just don't know anything about yeah. what they're going through or they have parents that are like, I've got enough to deal with. I give you food. I give you a place to sleep. Yeah. That's all I need to provide. You got to figure the rest of that shit out on your own. Yeah. That's that. like more often than not, if you, especially growing up, when you think back on like when you met somebody's parents and you're like, holy shit, like. No wonder they do this thing or no wonder like, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure in your past jobs, you dealt with that where you mm. would meet the parents and go, oh, well, we don't need to do any more analyzing. It's mm-hmm. you. You are the problem. But yeah, it all starts with, I mean, we people will rescue any baby animal that crosses their path. Every day on Instagram or TikTok, somebody's rescuing a fucking possum or a raccoon or a baby bird. Jealous, yeah. It's not somebody rescue a bee and rehabilitate a bee. That's it's right. Like, the b- big bumblebee one? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. so. But like we grasp that fragile things need like care yeah. and like need it badly in order to be able to have a chance. But for some reason, if it walks and talks... We think that they have like, they have some aspect that they And can... your frontal lobe, like your frontal lobe is not for like, it's not formed all the way until you're in your 20s. Yeah. Which is, it's crazy. And I, I still think the older I get, because I'm so freaking old, mm-hmm. as I think like 18 year olds are technically adults. How are they making decisions? Like well, they need more, they need to be guided. You, but we're do you know why that is? We, we why we consider 18s as well adults. i'm sure back in the day because that's like it's all has to life do with, expectancy oh military too oh well yeah so if we just need you to be strong enough to fight and an 18 year old most of the time had the not you at eighteen athletic whatever i could have i just would have had an asthma attack yeah but so just, like yeah. if you that's what i'm saying is if it if it looks like you can do the same things that we can. That must mean that you 100% can. But Landon can hold a conversation with a bunch of adults. I would never like send him into the workforce as a 12-year-old. No. You know what I mean? No. So there's this weird perception of like, just because you look and sound like an adult, that must mean you are an adult. And now I can judge you accordingly. Hmm. Like Justin Bieber? He was a 13-year-old kid because he was making money. Oh, he makes mo- money, I make money, but he makes more than me? I'm going to judge him and shit on him like he's an adult. Okay. Which screwed him up. Yeah. His That's per- all those like Disney, well, I know Justin Bieber's not Disney, but I feel like a lot of those Disney kids, it was the same. Oh, t- uh, teeny boppers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Britney. Yeah. Uh, and that goes back, like- just wanting like the freedom to say whatever you want and know that you have a community that will be accepting so that you can process the things. Like I'm sure a lot of the stuff that she does, she's like, 
she's saying, look at this, but really she's also saying, is this okay? You guys think, am I doing oh, too Brady. much? You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I, so, I psychoanalyze her every place. <laughs> but so that's, that's the thing is like, if you don't have the foundation, I and know. thank God you found me because... Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I was so troubled before I met you. I think we helped each other. Yeah. It took a fucked up route to get to where we are, but like being able I did tell someone our story recently. I'm like, yeah, me and Chris were separated, almost divorced, this and this and that. And the, what? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I like I've been processing through my past early life recently, just like on long drives thinking and it's like, holy crap, like, whoa, some of the things that I did or some of the things I experienced, it's like, holy crap. And then it's just, I think it's the mom in me. It's like, oh my gosh, how do I protect like my kids from experiencing these things? Or I can't, I can do the best I can, but when they're eight, you know, when they're adults and they're, you can only shelter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah, the, the fact that we... And it is generational because, I don't know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you could have raised our kids the same way that your mom raised you, which was kind of like the same thing that's happening to you. I'm going to be there for you, but that shit could happen to me when we wake up in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the trauma that she experienced is always in the back of her mind because nobody came to her and was like, that's not your fault. Yeah. They were like, get over it. Or it didn't even happen. Exactly. The the gaslighting. Yeah. The fact that we experienced the shit that we did and we have perspective on how our parents, their opportunities that they had to deal with it, which was pretty much none. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we have like a window into the absolute wrong way that it should be handled. Yeah. And the way that we fucking hope that we are handling it. Yeah. Yeah. So just the one thing I worry about is if our children experience the same type of trauma I experienced, is it going to re-trigger me? Mm. I worry about that a lot because I feel like I'm a pretty strong person and I've, I'm very resilient and I've coped through things. But I feel like even when I thought I've dealt with things when I heard a story from a patient when I was working years ago, it like re-triggered everything over again. And mm-hmm. I like had to reprocess through it because like the details were so graphic mm-hmm. and it was like, oh my gosh, like, cause I can bury things. I can bury things. And it was like, oh my gosh. And like the smell started coming back. And actually what's interesting is like the situation I was in, I drive past that place all the time now. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, meh, like, but I'm like, gosh, if like one of my children experienced something I did, is it going to re-trigger me and now I'm going to like spiral? And so I wonder if that happened with my mom, but she didn't talk about it. Like her knowing the stuff that happened, like she knew what happened. She knew like, and I don't know if it like re-triggered her and she, cause she never quite went, you know, processed through yeah, it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. I like to think that I've developed enough coping skills. I've learned to work through things and know how to work through things. But I mean, I'm not perfect. Like, 
last weekend when all this chaos was happening in this house, I like stayed in bed all weekend and I was like, I'm not going to do anything. And maybe that's okay. Maybe my body was saying you need to slow down because I'm always pushing Mm. and always going like, go, 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 go. Maybe my body's like, it's okay to take this one. Take back. Like, well, like with the, the lice thing, how, how do you, (laughs) how do you get control back? I don't know. I still don't think we have control. That's what I'm saying. It's like your body was 24 seven trying to figure it out and like felt like there's always something that we need to be doing because we still don't have control of the situation. But there's, there are some things that we just, there's nothing we can do, but the things that we can do about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can do as many of the remedies as we can, but beyond that, that's it. That's all we got. I know. I don't like that. (laughs) It sucks. It's a control thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it's necessarily an unhealthy one because you you don't, yeah, Yeah. you don't want that shit to happen. Um, Yeah. So you want to know as much as you can about it. But yeah, because of the, the conditions that we have, it's, we, it's funny, like there are like my stuff, I have a, my, I, I was thinking about this just this week because I forget what happened, but. I get like a calm for certain situations where I go, what are you going to do? It's just this. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that about you. <laughs> no, I like that about you, but I wish I had that. Cause I don't, I don't have that. But if somebody is shitty, I'll ruminate on that for a week. Like it's if true. I hear somebody talk to somebody else in a bad way, I can't let that go. So it's funny that like for like all hands on deck type of situation. Yeah, I think I go back to the car thing when you're like, your car won't start, but it's okay. And I'm like, it's not effing okay because <laughs> this is happening and that's happening. And now it's the car thing. Oh yeah. That's a perfect example. You're talking about when my car boot- wouldn't start. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I was just like, wow, what can you do? Yeah. And it was, I was losing my mind at work <laughs> because I can't control. I'm not there. I can't see what's going on with the car. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so when we finally jump started it and it worked, it's like, okay, now there's control back. Mm. But I felt better when I got home, when I'm in the presence of it, I'm like, maybe I can help fix the situation. It's a control thing. I am a control freak. I don't like it. But yours is, it ties back to trauma because if you don't have control, then everything's going to fall apart and or bad things are going to happen. Somehow it falls back on you. Yeah. If you didn't take control of a situation, how come you didn't do this? Yeah. How come you didn't do that? Whereas I, yeah, I got used to, I mean, I had my emo phase of like, everything is my fault and I'm yada, yada, yada. I'm a piece of shit. I'm pissed shot. Yeah. But now it's, it's very, especially when it's tied to inanimate objects, I just go, "Ah." you know. I wish I was more like that. Oh my gosh. But I wish, yeah, it's weird to like recognize that I have codependency issues. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't really care. I have zero feelings of like wanting to like thoroughly get rid of codependency stuff because it it's a huge part of who i am yeah it's like you meet somebody who's neurotic like like you don't want to you don't want to go fix the bumblebee outside you want to fix the people like you're like come here get under my wing i'll help you yeah i'm not like that ah you know what it is somebody sees the bumblebee they want to fix the bumblebee if i know that you can't 
then I'm under the wing to say these things happen. So the emotional state, because the bumblebee is done. That's there's nothing we can do about that. But the way that you process it, we can do something about that. Yeah. So that's yeah. I I have a weird like at, at the funeral I was very calm. I cried very little because I was just thinking about like there's a kid crying. Are they going to need somebody to take that kid? Because like when you're in a Mormon church, if a kid runs down the pew, most of the time, I mean, we all knew each other. So if somebody got up and like went walking with that kid, then the parents would just be like, all right, brother Duke has got, you know what I mean? Like we're very different. Cause then at the funeral, I was thinking of my friend's baby who's going to be born, who won't get to meet his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And then I go through all these things of like, um, my friend's mom and how is she going to go through her, her husband's stuff? And like, I just think of like, okay, now what now? What are they going to do now? Like, and I think I also think of like, like our dads, like mm-hmm. what's it going to look like without our dads? Oh my gosh, we rely on them so much, especially your dad. It's like call, like if something's happened, I mean, I called my dad three weeks ago now and I called him crying saying I wanted to move back home and I didn't want to be an adult <laughs> anymore because I was tired of it. And it's like, when the we call them for so much and it's like, what's it going to look like when that's not there? Like that is terrifying to me. And so it's like, I wonder, I think that's where my head goes to is like when you see a good friend of yours experiencing a loss, like a parent mm-hmm. and it's now this is the second person in the last couple months who I know a parent's passed away around my dad's age. It's becoming more real. Like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, Eventually that's going to happen. And I, I don't deal with death well. Yeah. Because I don't know what I feel about death. Like, what do I think happens after death? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I respect people who believe in eternity and that when they die that there's another thing after. Because I feel like that gives them peace. Whereas I'm such an uncertain person. I don't feel peace because I don't know. Well, you don't have control over what happens up to you. <laughs> Kim is a control freak. I don't. Yeah. I keep saying that, though, because it's an uh, absence of security. If you don't have control, that it doesn't mean that you want to be the boss of everything. No. Gosh, no, it's, no. I hate being a boss. There's a misconception with like the whole control freak thing because it's thrown at women all the time, too. Like, Yeah. So... There's this odd, for some reason, you're responsible for being responsible. I think it's growing up in a life that was so out of control mm. that the only way I can deal with things is if I have absolute control over it. Like, if I were to allow you to plan our vacation, I would not feel comfortable. Not that I knew, didn't think that you could do it all, because I know you could figure it out and do it all. Yeah. It's because I don't know what's happening and I don't have it in my hands. There's a... Airbnb and we all get Vespas and I just read all this stuff about Airbnbs and how they're really expensive and people aren't going for them anymore and how it's taken a lot of rental properties away from people who could use it. I don't know. Oh, it's a I Twitter thing, mean. I guess. I don't have a Twitter, but yeah, I also do not Twitters. Although I would love not having control driving because I hate driving. Oh, That's where yeah. I'm fine where it's like, I know you got it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Well, because it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I don't get fearful. I get angry. Yeah. Which is a, uh, favorable thing. Like dad getting mad. 
that this thing is happening while in the vehicle is different from dad panicking, having to pull over and yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do we, so now how do we calm him down? No, dad's just going to be pissed off for 10 minutes or whatever while we go and do while, while we're going to the place. We're still going to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so all of this t- is like to say that like there, there doesn't seem to be any like one answer or or like any true way to like rid, I also rid wanna, yourself of yeah. trauma. I think what we need to tell people is that <laughs> I lost my train of thought. It's okay. Um, to never not validate someone's trauma, mm. make them feel invalid. Whatever you experience. That is your experience. No one can say, yeah, well, and I know I'm, I'm good at the, well, you always have to remind me that like, that's your experience, but well, at least I'm not over in Ukraine right now. Oh, my panic attack that I had a week ago, that is valid to me, even though I am not running for my life right now. That is horrific, Mm -hmm. but I, your experiences are valid and Sometimes I feel like people do try to take that away and from themselves. I'm good at that where I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, but I, I, I try and I do, this is how I go through things. It's like, I have a house, I have a job, I have a family. Like I have to constantly say these things mm. to like reground myself. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But it's like, but it's okay that I am still freaking out about what, how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, but never compare your trauma. I think people are really good at comparing themselves to other people. Like, yeah, I say my mom has had a lot of trauma in her life, but I've experienced a lot of trauma too. Yeah. And you have as well. And people experience different types of trauma and just to validate people when they're talking about it. That's yeah. it. That's where I was trying to go. I lost. Woof. Well, I mean, I was going to say that's like, there's a lot that I don't believe in. Um. So when I hear people talk about certain things, my brain goes, yeah, but you're, you're missing how important, like the things that actually happen on a daily basis are like people getting super worked up about spirits and shit like that. Like there are people who like, they're engulfed in the fact that the, there may be a ghost in this house that they're in or, you know what I mean? Like people genuinely get wrapped up in that shit and for as free hippie whatever as i am i have these objective things that it's like you can be a hippie dork like me if you have to take the objective things with you you know what i mean like objectively speaking uh that the odds of that car wash killing you very 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 small can happen though it can happen for sure but the like so looking at those objective things and going if it does happen some pretty like um exceptional circumstances must be in place Mm. for that to happen yeah and as far as i can tell going in here none of those appear to be in place Mm, but if my car could just die (laughs) um Water could hit it in some place that it shouldn't hit, and then it dies. 
See? Yeah. That's catastrophizing. I'm a co- I'm Captain Catastrophizer. But that same thing, like, when it comes to the um, supernatural. We're not going to go there. I'm going on a ghost tour in a couple months. I don't no, wanna... I know. And that's fine. I still say, like, if somebody don't freaked invali- out. Don't, val- don't do oh, not, wait, wait, not wait, validate. Oh. Let me speak. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if somebody says that they had a ghost experience and it still affects them to this day, like they get the chills or whatever, whatever happened in that span of like five minutes was your reality right then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Your body was responding and doing all of the things because that's legit. You can't affect your um, passive survival skills. Yeah. Your body is going to say, ah, something's not right. We need to get the fuck out of here or we need to be like assessing and is something coming after us? Like you have no control over that yeah. on like a biological level, no. really. Um, so that's how I validate it. I, it doesn't matter that I know for sure that it didn't happen because the way that your body took that in, now you have trauma. Yeah. Now you have this scary thing that hits you. So the reason why I'm saying all of this is because it's something that could, we, we, we try so hard to solve these problems, depression, anxiety, all of these things. If you are allowing yourself to think this way, it's going to prevent you from making that progress. Yeah. So that's that's what I was saying is well, like when it comes to certain things that the odds are absolutely astronomically stacked against that thing happening, let it go. Look at the other things that say the same way that we are we just went through how you process trauma, why you are labeled control freak. It's not because you want to be the boss thing. It's not there's there's genuine reasons why you are this way. There are genuine reasons why X amount of things happened and they don't have to be something phantasmic that you have zero control over. Yeah. We need, we need more answers. And being going through addiction had a huge role in that. If I were to just look at it from a feelings perspective, my addiction... I I probably would have relapsed by now because I, on a daily basis, am not great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we all have anxiety. We all have things that, um, where areas where we think we're lacking. Mm-hmm. So if I just continued to say, okay, I need to fix it, but I haven't fixed it. That means I'm a horrible person and just went at, at it that way. And that's the only way that I'm going to, solve my addiction yeah i'd be fucked but having the objective thing allows me to go i know why i want to do that thing i know why when my friends talk about their favorite beers and all of these things why i get that sensation back in my mouth and things yeah, like that no. it's that's it doesn't mean that i'm a shitty person because i think that way it's just how my brain operates yeah. and all i can do is accept that fact and go that doesn't mean that now I have to go and do that thing. Mm, I see what you're saying. So not everything, it, it, like there are coinc- coincidences. There are like 
trillions and trillions of opportunities for crazy things to happen. Allow yourself to go mathematically speaking. Yeah, there it is possible that this thing could have happened in these uh, in this succinct way that make it look like Jesus is taking a piss on the city of Brazil or Whoa. the country of Brazil because there's that giant statue. Oh, okay. In Sao Paulo. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it looks like Mother Mary is crying blood. And he's not blood. But circumstances can arise. We've been alive for a long time. Humans have so been long. here for a long time. So long. The earth does super weird shit. Dinosaurs? Are you kidding me? I know I know like we have that inside joke, but dinosaurs. Really? I know. It's fucking insane that they existed. That's crazy. That they, they look existed. like nothing that it, Well, ostriches. Crocodiles. But in their true form, the sheer size of yeah, those things crazy. is nuts. So, of course, there's all kinds of like wild stuff that can happen, but it doesn't mean it's magic. I mean, Layla did show us a magic trick last she night. She did show us a magic trick, and Andy and I still can't figure it out. I figured it out, and I can do it, but... Do we have a hair tie handy? Um... I mean, we, we went in a couple of different directions, but all of the things that we talked about can uh, have an effect on how you process trauma and whether your support system or community gives you an opportunity to be able to express those things and process through your trauma. So all of the things that we talked about are relatively still within the realm of trauma. Do we have an answer as to why it sticks around? No, not really. Um, we have answers as to how you can live with that thing. Same way somebody lives with diabetes mm -hmm. or you know any other illness. Like Trauma is a real thing that can latch yeah. on and stick around for a long time. Yeah. So there are things that it's not something that you should just ignore. No. Is, is the no. main like Take I away. said, go back to the cup thing. It looks like you want to fight me, so maybe put your fist down for a second. It's like the cup <laughs> thing. Like I, eventually, you know, you're what you should say is a bathtub. You mm, need to get I know clean. I like the cup. You have to fill the bathtub, but if you don't turn it off in time, it's gonna overflow. It's gonna overflow. Not only that, it's gonna keep overflowing. And even though it's chaotic and crazy, you can still turn off that faucet. Yeah. See a psychotherapist. See a psychotherapist. Go to betterhelp.com. Talk it's to somebody. Monster resource that we didn't have for a very long time. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Work through it. Figure out what helps you. And the thing is, is you are going to be exposed to things that may bring that trauma back up. Mm. But you oh, might yeah. be able to, when you get to a place where you can process through it and talk through it or think through it, and it doesn't necessarily cause that fight or flight response anymore and you're able to just talk about it i think that was the weirdest thing too is when you would have conversations with people and they would tell you these messed up things you're like what the crap and you're freaking out and you're thinking why is this person not freaking out it's because they finally process through it and it that doesn't cause that fight or flight and now it's just oh. a, something that has happened to them i i freak out when they don't consider it trauma when somebody yeah. tells me a story 
And they go, really, the only thing that happened to me is my mom got stabbed in front of me when I was eight years old. But that's not, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. It's like, no, you're disassociating or like making it something else. I bet. But that's how they cope by not calling it a trauma. Yeah. 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 Some people are able to do that. But it always scares me because it could very easily turn into like now everybody's an enemy and at any point somebody could fucking stab me. Yeah. So I always. I mean at any point anyone could stab anyone. It's true. We all have it in us. Do we? Oh, for sure. I talk about that all the time because people are always talking about like they have a risk for violence. They have a risk for aggression. Oh. oh my gosh, you put me in the right situation. I can be violent and I can be aggressive. We all have it in us. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's built in us somewhere. Someone was going after my children. You damn well, I am going to be aggressive and violent. Yeah, but that's not considered aggression and violence, really. It's considered defense. So that's a, but I get what you're saying. Like it is an environmental thing. Yeah. Anyway, which we're gonna goes keep, back we can to keep going on. Let's yeah. let's wrap this we up. We could go on forever and ever. Okay, I wanna focus on the magic trick though before we end or as we end. So to the listeners, the takeaway I hope is that uh look for a good support system. Develop healthy if, coping if, skills. If somebody is talking to you and does not validate your feelings, then you need to talk to somebody else who will validate those feelings because it's important mm-hmm. you, if you're not processing it and you think that you shouldn't process it because somebody made you feel ashamed of that thing. It's, it's, it, that's not fair to you to, mm-hmm. to just go, Oh, that's, I guess it's just me. Yeah. So any Kim, is there any advice that you yeah. would like to impart? Um, look for coping skills. Figure out what works best for you. It's not always the same for everyone. I can't. People talk a lot about all these coping skills like deep breathing, all that deep breathing actually makes my anxiety a lot worse because I'm so focused on breathing and I don't think Mm. I'm breathing right. But music works for me. Reading works for me. I never even thought of this. Where do you look for coping skills? Um, If you're interested, I know I have a sheet of 99 coping skills. Oh. So... Um, I like to give that out because then you can look through it and there are things that you didn't think was a coping skill. Like, I do do that. Baths. I like to take baths. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my Peloton. uh, Music. A lot of times it is music or just like escaping my brain into a show. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. People take naps. Essential oils. I mean, different things. That's good, though. Google 99 99 coping coping skills. skills. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Great advice. Um, okay, well, Mama, thank you for doing this. No, thanks for having me. I love you. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'm glad you didn't die in that car wash. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves and enjoy this magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like a horn or something. <laughs>